Hi, I'm Lori Tenney, Director of Strategic Content for Meetings Today. Welcome to the Meetings Today podcast. We're coming to you live from IMAX America 2018 in Las Vegas. And today we're joined by Michael Massari, Chief Sales Officer of Caesars Entertainment, Courtney Stanley, Speaker, Writer, and Business Consultant with CS Consulting, and Sarah Solomon Dodden of Solomon Productions. Our discussion today is going to revolve around Me Too and business and why companies and corporations can't ignore the Me Too movement. Also, the need to create and or refine policies and practices to address an issue that's become prevalent across industries, including hospitality and meetings. So to start, Courtney, if you and Mike would like to give us a little background on how you, you began this conversation a year ago. Yeah, I would love to. Um, so I have been speaking and writing about the problem and issue of sexual harassment in the meetings industry for the past couple of years. And a year ago, I was a columnist for Meetings and Incentive Travel Magazine. And my role as a writer was to have real talk conversations around issues that matter, that may not actually be at the forefront of the conversation within our community. So just before the Me Too movement took off a year ago, I wrote an article that expressed testimonies of people within our own community, the meetings industry, and, and talked about their experiences as victims of sexual harassment and assault within professional work settings at meetings and conferences. Um, I received a lot of different types of feedback from writing that article. Most of it positive, um, some of it was questioning you know, whether or not this is really a problem. And it just so happened that the Me Too movement kicked off about a month after the article was written and people started to really see that this was a conversation that was important and it was loud and it needed to be addressed. Um, a couple of months or even a couple of weeks, I guess, after writing the article, I got an email from my friend Mike Musari and um, we ended up having a really interesting phone conversation where we talked about this issue and, and it was really great and I'll let, I'll let Mike speak to that a little bit. Well, I think this is one of the most important issues that, our, that, that the world's facing. I think in our business lives, this might be the seminal conversation that we all have. And I think it's, it just takes an extraordinary amount of courage and bravery for people to talk about their experiences particularly ones that occurred prior to what's become a better environment for you to talk about these things. And so, you know, I think it's an important issue for our, our generation. It's a very important issue to me personally. And then I just think there's took a lot of courage for, for Cordy to write what she wrote. And so the, the conversation and the call was really preempted by that, just to say, you know, good for you. I think this is important work and it needs to be talked about. It needs to be talked about in the in the language that it's occurring, which is not remarkably flattering or romantic or appealing, right? And so I think it's important that, that um, these real world examples are talked about. It takes a lot of courage to do so. And I think what was so great about, you know, having someone like Mike in his position and his tenure in the industry, you know, speak up and support, it goes such a long way. And I don't I don't know if, if you realize this, Mike, but it means a lot to 
someone like Courtney and myself because sometimes you do feel trapped and, and if you go through situations, you know, especially as young women or just women in general in the industry, you don't know uh, what male support you may actually have. So that kind of conversation and proactive approach that you took really does mean a lot and it helps to keep the conversation going and for other folks to realize and acknowledge how important the conversation is. It has to keep going. You know, our responsibility as leaders in large part is to leave the industry and the world a better place than we got it, right? And so this is a really clear way that we can leave this industry in a better place than when we inherited it, right? You can make it, you make it a place where women are, where everybody's treated much more fairly, is, uh, are treated with much more dignity and respect, right? Are, are given the opportunity to achieve and to move forward on, on the merits and not for any other reasons. And so these are things that I think we we have an opportunity to do and we should be really working hard. What inspired you, Mike, to become such an advocate for combating sexual harassment in the industry? So, I, I, my belief is that sexual harassment is, is a form of bullying and, 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 and I think bullying might actually be the root behavior that causes somebody to become a, a, a perpetual sexual harasser. And, and, and I'm just not a fan of bullying. Right? I just don't think it's appropriate. It's not the way that, that I like to interact with people. It's not the way that I lead. It's not the legacy that I want people around me to have or me to have. And, and, and so I guess, you know, anytime that people are not being treated with dignity and respect, that's bothersome to me. I'm a father of two young women, and it's particularly bothersome for me to see women treated in this way. Um, and, and so I want to make sure that my girls move into a world that's better than, than the world that their mother and their grandmother had to live. I think this goes across not just sexual harassment, but, uh, but athletics and opportunity and the types of jobs that men and women can have, and gender equality and equal pay and all these things, right? Um, so we should be working towards gender not mattering. Courtney and Sarah, did you want to talk about your experiences since you had started this conversation with Mike and some of the initiatives that you have undertaken? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and I would, I would like to just also point out that I, I really was surprised at the people who came forward to support me and women after I wrote the article. And since Sarah and I have been speaking on this on this topic as well. Some people are quiet, some people disagree with the work that we are doing, and some people that you may not have ever thought are in your corner suddenly step forward and say, I'm here, how can I help? Which has been really incredible to see. So what Sarah and I have been doing for the past few months is we have been putting together a really, really actionable strategy around how to prevent sexual harassment at your meeting, at your conference, or even in your workplace at your place of work. So we have been equipping people with the tools to actually make decisions based on a plan, a preventative plan where you can actually say, this is what we do if something happens, this is who you go to if something happens, this is where we stand, this is our, our mission, this, these are our values, and it's really equipping people with that voice and that support to be able to say, I want to do what's best for the people that work on my team and the members of my association, and this is how we're going to do it. Yeah, essentially it's, you know, so the, the Me Too movement really sparked the conversation and really gave people a platform who have been victims of sexual harassment to speak up. 
So when Courtney and I, you know, chat through this, we're like, what's next? You know, what what are those next step action items that we can actually put into place that can stick with organizations and stick with in our industry event professionals and um, also hopefully resonate with the next future, the next generation of our of our profession. So working with universities and ensuring that, you know, this conversation is part of their curriculum and that these young people are equipped with this action plan. So when they go and they're they're now planning their own meetings, they understand that this is just as big of a conversation as safety and security. It's just as big of a conversation as um, diversity and inclusion, right? So um, it's been really incredible to see the impact that we've been able to make in a short amount of time. And it's exciting to, to know that there's still so much to be done. Um, like what we're doing right now, we're trying to look at phase two of our action plan. So what's what's next? You know, what's on the horizon, and how can we continue to innovate um, what we've already been able to accomplish? I think that um, I think it's important to distinguish between uh, uh, reactive and proactive. In this yes. Regard, right. So I think that companies have gotten substantially better on the reactive side. I mean, when these types of problems are brought to companies now, I think they react quickly, I think they react decisively, I think they generally react in a way that we'd all be happy with and comfortable with. Um, uh, there's still work to do in that regard, but I think the bigger work is around the proactive side. I mean, when I look at myself as a leader, and I think about what I've done in my career proactively to make sure these things don't happen on my team, it's very little. And, and, and so, you know, through all this, I've committed to doing more from a proactive standpoint. I mean, so let's move this away from the water cooler in the cafeteria into the boardroom. Let's have early conversations with employees about the fact that we work in a place where we're sitting below 3,000 hotel or 6,000 hotel rooms here at Venetia Palazzo, and, and we're around alcohol all day. Um, uh, you know, we're around lots of young people who are, who are, who are you know, emerging sexually, right? I mean, there's just all these things that kind of go into, you know, if you're not going to be open about this and honest about this up front, you know, then, then you just have these bigger problems in the back end. You know, where, where, where am I as a leader at 11 o'clock at night? Do I go down by the bar and swing by to see who's hanging out with who and notice that these that, that, that this leader's with his or her staff all the time at 10 o'clock at night, right? So, hey, that's a problem that I need to understand I need to identify what's going on there. These are things that they were not part of my my leadership toolkit, and they need to be part of the leadership toolkit. We need to get better at recognizing these things up front um, so that we can solve them ahead of time rather than waiting for them to become this happened and now we have to deal with it. And it's also creating, to your point, Mike, you know, the, a line of communication internally within your team um, where folks know if, if I'm put in a, an uncomfortable situation, I have HR, of course, but I also have Mike as my support yeah, system, right. as a backbone that I can go to and say, this is what's happening. What should I do? What's yeah. the next step? So I think creating that line of communication and having these open dialogues internally is part of that proactive approach as well. I think that you're, I think you're a thousand percent correct. It's, it, it, there are so many things that I tell my team early on about how I feel about so they know if their values align with mine, about business and people and everything else. And, and sexual harassment never was one of those things, and it is now. It is, hey, these are the things that are acceptable in our organization, these are the things that are not. 
And so if that jives with you, great, welcome to the team. If that doesn't jive for you, let's have a, let's have a conversation about that now. Because um, uh, this is not who we're going to be. And, and I don't think that many leaders would say that they were having those conversations 10 years ago. I think more would say they're having it today. I think part of our objective has to be that all leaders have this as part of their value, their public value system. So what would be your advice to us as we continue this momentum, this movement, and the conversation when people approach us in the industry that are in leadership positions that just don't think this is a problem to begin with? How, what, what should we do in that so capacity? you and I talked about this, Courtney and I talked about this a little bit yesterday. So, so uh, th look, there, there are a percentage of women in, in industry that grew up in this environment and then have learned to deal with it. And then that, that just view this as part of the world. And I think their argument goes something like, this has been happening since the beginning of time, and if you think you're all going to stop it, <laughs> you're out of your mind, it's going to be happening forever as well. So, so uh, while I don't fully disagree with that argument, because it has a lot of merit, that doesn't mean we have to accept it, right? And so, I, you know, I just think it's, it's 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 our responsibility to try to improve things. And if you if you look at 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, 80 years ago, I mean, uh, things are are materially better in this world in this regard. And so, to think that they can't improve, I think, is just incorrect. I mean, you know, 50 years ago, guys had you know a couple of martinis and lunch and smacked their administrative assistant on the butt, or I'm sorry, their secretary on the butt. Right? So that doesn't happen today. So things are better. Right? So we have a responsibility to continue to make things better. So I just don't buy it. Courtney, did you want to add anything to that? I think, I mean, I, Mike and I had a really great conversation yesterday. And something that we both agreed on is that there is an opportunity to change. And there is a it's very specific window of opportunity right now where there are multiple conversations happening at multiple levels of leadership in various industries across the board. And we have this opportunity to stand up and say, let's work together, let's have a real conversation, and let's change this. Let's not look back, let's not do nothing, let's move forward. And I think that there are a lot of people out there that have been in the industry or any industry for a long time and feel like this is normal and it's always going to be be this way and it does not have to be. So I think that we need to stick together and we need to support one another and use our voices as a unified community to say no more, let's make this better for people like Mike's daughters that will may eventually be in our industry. I think we've got a real chance here to make some good change. The other part too that's been really for at least for me, I, I don't know, maybe for you too, Courtney, it's really humanized um, relationships that we've had for a long time with some individuals that have come forth with their own stories and have been super vulnerable with us. And even with strangers, Courtney and I had a really great um, meeting yesterday with with a gentleman that we met for the very first time, had lunch with him, and he just loves the work that we're doing and came forward with his own story. So this isn't just you know women that have their stories to share, it's, it's men too. And um, that to me has been really neat to experience because it, it humanizes everybody. It kind of brings you down to the same level and you start to really share these really deep and sometimes embarrassing moments of your life that you've unfortunately had to go through 
and it kind of brings you back to reality and it reminds me and Courtney as well why we do this and why we're willing to stand up and and speak out against it. So uh, I I would encourage people to consider that um, usually this is not a one-off deal for somebody who engages in this type of behavior, right? So um, whether that be bullying, sexual harassment, male, female, whatever. This is usually a, a pattern of behavior. And so I would encourage people that, that even when these things are not fresh, that if there's a way that they're willing to report them, either either anonymously or not anonymously, they should still do that. Because um, you, you, you have the ability, I think, if something happened to you three years ago, you have the ability to save this from happening to somebody tomorrow. And, 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 and I think that's one of the responsibilities that victims have, is to prevent, and I know it's hard to lay responsibility on victims, but if they can help prevent this from happening to someone in the future, this is usually patterned behavior. And it usually gets progressively worse over time, too. Yeah, and I think that's what actually in our own personal situations is what influenced us to speak up about our own yeah. harassment that we were experiencing because we realized, oh, wait a minute, we are the only ones being victimized by yeah. the same individual, right? Well, so right. it's it's a really great point. That's right. That's right. Mike, does, does your corporation have policies or procedures like anonymous you know, sexual harassment reporting tools or things like that? And PI just instituted one yeah. last week called MPI Cares. Yeah. yeah. Or like bystander protection. So to your point earlier, you, you can talk to your supervisor, you can talk to your, your department, you can talk to your, yeah, your, your, your division leader, me in this case, we've got the hotline, there's a million different ways. There, 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 there is no shortage of ways to report this type of behavior. Where there's a shortage is the bravery and the courage sometimes to do so, and the belief that you can be safe in doing so. So what I advise people is to say, you know, if, if you aren't willing to for this to be known, then just use the hotline. You know, most companies of any consequence have hotlines. Just use the hotline. You know, that's the most anonymous way to do things. And companies take these things quite seriously. So, you know, the, the good news is, is that, again, going back to this proactive reactive thing, usually companies now, when they hear about these things, they look very closely at the time. Nothing's getting, nothing's getting overlooked at this point. Definitely. You know, certainly for Caesars. I can't speak for everybody, but I think most companies, reputable companies, believe this. Right. But it seems Caesars is taking a very proactive stance. We're trying. Right. We're trying. We're trying to be proactive about this, about uh, about gender equality in the leadership ranks. We've got a, a quite important initiative to make sure that at each leadership car, you know, category all the way up to the SMT, we've got you know, 50-50 male-female representation by 2025. In my organization, I'm glad to report that we're, we're already well beyond that at, all, at every level. So it's very important to us. Excellent. So you, Sarah and Courtney, you've spoken about what's next, the, the second part of the 10-step action plan. Anything else you wanted to add? I think one final thought that I have is just I, I really, really appreciated Mike's support a year ago when he reached out to me. And I appreciate it today and right now in this in this room and I really want to encourage men to speak up because women cannot do this alone. It's gonna take to make real social change, it takes everybody and there has to be a majority that is unified that says enough is enough. We wanna make this world and this environment better for everybody. 
So I would encourage men to help support, to ask questions, how can we help support you, and to not be afraid. This is not about giving a hug. This is not about making eye contact with somebody. This is about sexual harassment and sexual assault. There's nothing to be afraid of if you have good intentions and you make sure that you maintain whatever professional boundaries are in place. So please, I ask all the men out there listening to this podcast, please speak up, we need you. So just to build on that a little bit, it is is interesting uh, that, that, that there are people who believe that this is going to make the world a, a, a cold place where people can't you know, have an embrace, they can't shake hands, they can't go out for a drink together, et cetera, et cetera. Or, or, or men can't travel with women, you know. It's, you know. The, the problem is around supervisor-subordinate relationships. That's where the big problem exists, you know, aside from physical abuse, right, or sexual assault, that's different. But sexual harassment is usually around supervisor-subordinate relationships. I mean, if, if two salespeople end up having a relationship, there's nothing wrong with that, right? And that will continue to happen. And, and uh, you know, many a marriage has been formed in our industry, in every industry, by two, two people of a same level that don't report to each other having a relationship. It's when supervisors take advantage of subordinates that we have this real issue and problem. So, you know, we can continue to, to have relationships, we can continue to go out for, to be social, we can continue to, to have an embrace, um, um, but, you know, when you're in a leadership position, you have a responsibility to the people under your supervision. And part of the team is not there to, you know, hang out with you at two o'clock in the morning and to, uh, to talk about these topics that are clearly inappropriate and to, you know, to do things that are clearly outside the bounds of what business is about. So I think it's important that we realize what we're talking about. You know, life can go on and life can be quite enjoyable and civil and, and relationship-based, uh, but that there are things that just can't occur. Right. Should it never occur? Exactly. So just one quick thing to that end. Um, there's been a lot of talk about gender equality, equal pay, putting females in leadership positions as one of the ways to at least try to prevent sexual harassment. Could you give us your thoughts on that and how Caesars is a leader in but, so I think there's all kinds of benefits that come from a, a reasonable distribution of your leadership relative to what the world looks like, right? So, so you know, it, it's about this diversity of inclusion and, and making sure that different ideas and thoughts are represented in the way that you view the world, the way that you think about things. And, and so uh, that helps, you know, having good distribution on your teams helps everything. It definitely helps sexual harassment as well to make sure that, that they're, you know, people feel safe, that they understand, that there's multiple points of view being shared. So I, I think it's, it's, it's weaved into this thread of, of, of diverse thinking provides better outcomes, right? All right. And what's the percentage of female leaders at Caesars? So right now, I think overall for the company, it's in the, it's in the 40s. Uh, we're looking to get it to 50, and we're looking to not only get it to 50, but get it to 50 inside all these different categories, manager, supervisor, director, vice president, senior vice president, et cetera. Uh, in my organization, uh, as I said, I'm proud to report that we're well above that. I think I'm two-thirds on my leadership team, and uh, on a manager level, I might be three-quarters. Excellent. We love to hear that. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you all for tuning in in audience land. And thank you to the three of you for your amazing insights. And I commend you all for what you're doing to combat and address sexual harassment and for being an awesome leader. 
Mike Nassari. Check out meetingstoday.com for more podcasts focusing on a variety of topics related to the meetings industry, and we will see you next time.